Welcome to this, the third episode of our Q1 2021 Pulse of Payment series sponsored by Company.com. Today's guest is Anand Goyle, the President and CEO of Optimized Payments. Optimized Payments has helped mid-market and Fortune 100 companies save over $300 million in interchange and processing fees. Anand has also led efforts to revolutionize payments analytics. So Anand, welcome to the show. Thank you, Greg. Thank you for having me on the series. Absolutely. So let's talk about data. You know, I think what people want to see in payments data is it's really the analytics and the actionable insights. But how do you see the future of data in payments? You know, I read an article yesterday from Forbes that had uh, digital commerce sales growing by 20% annually. And the article stated that uh, digital commerce sales are expected to grow to $5.8 trillion globally by the end of 2022. And that's just next year. That's a lot of payments and not just card payments, but alternative payment methods, electronic payments. So when you think about digital commerce, that's mobile, uh, you know, your mobile devices and your computers and all that data, all those payments, there's a lot of information with those payments and that come after those payments uh, take place. And all that data helps uh, companies manage costs, manage fraud and risk, uh, reconcile their books, uh, manage chargebacks. But a lot of companies don't have efficient means to consume uh, all that information and really highlight um, elements that are going to provide insights or help them manage their business better. And um, so what we see is, you know, creating a platform where as an agnostic uh, company, we don't necessarily care what payments you accept, what payment relationships, vendor relationships you have. We're going to consume all of that data and normalize it across different providers. So as you can imagine, Greg, um, every payment processor, alternative payment method, when they provide data to you, whether it's you know settlement files, re recon files, all of those data elements are in very different file formats. So it takes a, a quite a bit of effort for a company to stand up an IT project to consume that data, and then on top of that, have the business expertise to normalize all that information so you can easily uh, view it. And then you also need uh, some sophistication to use a BI tool to really pick out the key elements that are really important. So that's the uh, the business that we've created at Optimize Payments is building a payment analytics platform that can consume this growing amounts of payments data, normalize it, enrich it, and then allow our clients to visualize it through web-based dashboards. Okay. Uh, and also to provide them email alerts when they set predefined thresholds. So if a company wants to know, you know, if my chargeback ratio in, um, exceeds, you know, 50 basis points, I want to get an alert. If my decline rate um, exceeds 3%, I want to get an email alert. If my downgrade ratio uh, goes beyond 7%, I want to get an email alert. We can send them, you know, the next day. So it's kind of near real time data analytics. Okay. So do you think it's that we have more data now than we used to as an industry or is this that companies have gotten better about 
learning from the data? I think it's probably both. I mean, as you can imagine, you know, from when I was a kid to when I was a kid, you go to grocery stores, people pay by check, right? And uh, today, the grocery vertical is the number one vertical that takes uh, card payments. Hmm. Um, so even on a personal level, when we buy in-store, online, through our devices, we're all do using electronic payment methods. Uh, so we're shifting away from cash and checks. So now we, the sheer volume of electronic payments is huge. And then also there's more data that's getting generated and attributed to all of this information. You know, uh, the cost of payments or even fraud relating to payments used to be nominal maybe 20 years ago, but it's huge now. Fraud is a big deal. Cost is a big deal. So there's a, a greater interest in organizations wanting to kind of analyze that data and make it more actionable. Okay. Yeah, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about some of the regulatory changes coming up in the industry. Specifically, if you could touch on the NACHA changes that are coming and then any other trends or upcoming regulatory issues in 2021 that you think are coming, if you could speak to that, that'd be great. Sure. So with respect to NACHA, you know, in an effort to reduce fraud, NACHA is uh, implementing a rule for authentication of account numbers that are accepted for the first time by merchants. The rule was slated to take effect about a year ago, but NACHA agreed to extend the implementation until 19th of next month, so 19th of March. Um, the good news is that any business uh, that is accepting ACH payments and they have an account number on file uh, that's been successfully used to process a payment uh, meets the requirements of account authentication. So the rule specifically applies to new ACH transactions that are web debits. And uh, as you may have heard, there are three methods of authentication that, Na uh, that NACHA cites as being acceptable. You know, the first one is a pre-notification uh, pre transaction. Um, the second was, is a microtransaction or often called a penny test. Um, and the third one is a, the third authentication method is using a third party to authenticate an account number. Now, the first two uh, methods, you know, some merchants might have a concern because of timing. So if you're trying to buy something online and, and you know, you want to use ACH credentials, well, you, there's really not enough time to do pre-note or, or penny test uh, because they do take, it can take a couple of days, right? Right. Whereas you may want to rely on the third party authentication. And uh, if you go to Nacha's website, uh, they have a number of uh, recommendations providers of, of third-party authentication providers. Now, um, if, if there are merchants out there, they're struggling to be compliant by the March uh, 19th deadline, um, they can request an extension from Nacha. Um, you know, they'll be required to demonstrate that they're making progress towards compliance but it's not a, you know, a hard uh, uh, date. Um, so, so, you know, um, that's the first part of your question, which is uh, about NACHA. Right. But when I think about maybe other payments related changes that are coming down in the near future, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is, is the, the uh, interchange updates from Visa and MasterCard. 
Um, there was an article from Bloomberg uh, that I read. It said, uh, it quoted that Visa is planning the biggest change to swipe fees in a decade. And, wow. and I couldn't agree more. Uh, and the reason it's a huge change is, uh, you know, for the, I mean, they're introducing a tremendous increase. There are a number of categories that are increasing. There are a few categories that are decreasing in interchange fees, but the net effect is overall interchange fees are going to go up for vast majority of the merchants by three to 6% on average. And, and the reason for the range is it just depends on the mix of cards that right. a merchant is accepting. If they take a lot of business cards, they're probably going to be, you know, it's going to be closer to the 6% range. Um, but that's a tremendous increase. And also, um, you know, Visa is introducing, um, they're introducing some additional fees for declines. So if that is relevant for billers uh, who have card on file, so if you get hard declines, you you don't want to reauthorize that transaction because if you try to, then you'll be hit with additional fees. Okay, was that was that visa change supposed to happen last year? Yeah, yeah, there were there were uh, some of those changes that I just spoke about were supposed to happen last April, and because we had uh, the pandemic hit. Um, Visa didn't want to, you know, get a negative perception in the marketplace that, hey, just when the market is tanking, they're increasing fees. So right. they postponed a lot of those increases until uh, April of this year. Okay. Okay. Well, mentioning the pandemic's a good segue into the next question. Mm -hmm. What do you think the the payments ecosystem looks like post COVID nineteen? Yeah. So you know. Um, COVID-19 has really accelerated the shift to uh, digital channels. And I think some of that shift is going to remain post-pandemic. Uh, you know, so, you know, when I think about it at a personal level, I mean, I was already buying online, but I think I'm doing more so today. It's so much easier to buy online and, and return, um, you know, return either in the store or just return it back because there's free shipping involved, right? Right. I like ordering ahead, you know, like uh, just use my app and whether it's food or sometimes groceries, you can order ahead and just go pick up. And there has been this, um, so these new use cases are gonna continue to increase uh, electronic payments or digital payments. And there are also, you know, these new marketplaces like, like Etsy where you can buy anything, but there's also, Recently, I came across a, uh, a marketplace slash site website called Goldbelly. And Goldbelly, you can order dessert from any famous restaurant in the US. So if you went to New York and you had this great, I don't know, pie, um, uh, this ch cheesecake pie or something, right? Um, cheesecake or an apple pie, you can come back to your home and look up that restaurant and order that dessert wow. from that restaurant and have it delivered to you. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, so that, that is just to say, you know, digital payments are going to continue to grow. Um, and, and along with that, all the stuff that comes with digital payments is going to grow. So, so that is like fraud, you know, because 
in the retail environment, the industry implemented EMV, and you know, uh, retail re, uh, fraud or counterfeit fraud has decreased substantially. And all that fraud that used to exist in the retail environment has gone online. Right. And now that we as consumers and as businesses go online, that means all that fraud and chargebacks is going online as well. So that means um, organizations are going to have to create uh, efficient processes and uh, analytics frameworks to manage this growth and to manage the fraud and uh, chargebacks. Um, so um, I, I also see a continued growth in alternative payment methods. So whether that's you know PayPal, Amazon Pay, uh, for Chinese customers traveling here, you know AliPay, WeChat Pay, and even some you know cryptocurrencies. I mean, that I think they're going to take a while to come online because it's the speed of those transactions is is a little slow uh but eventually they'll become faster where i could see them coming online and then also going beyond that like ach credentials there are companies like trustly that are facilitating that right. so i see alternative payments continue to grow as well okay do you think that that pendulum i, I always ask this question kind of get some different answers but you know, the pendulum is really for a lot of people swung to they're buying almost everything online. But mm -hmm. when things get better, do you think people are going to start going back to stores and we're going to start seeing like how far does that pendulum go back? Do you think? Yeah. You know, clearly, I mean, that's going to be the case. I mean, there's a social nature of shopping, going to a store, being able to browse, um, you know, whether it's clothes. I mean, me personally, I like going to the grocery store because I like to see my produce right. before I buy it, right? So I think you're going to see some of that definitely swing back to people going to stores, but it's not going to be fully back because there are going to be certain conveniences that we just love, you know, whether it's like Uber Eats, where you can order from your restaurant and just have it delivered. And um, so there are certain conveniences I think we're going to, maybe prioritize uh, that are better for us. So that's that's gonna be the case. And there are just more and more sort of experiences that I think we we value, like whether it's, you know, I mean, even though I have a car and sometimes it's working fine, I just don't wanna drive somewhere. And because I'm going downtown, I don't wanna have to go through the hassle of parking. So it's much easier for me to be stress-free and take an Uber, right? So I think it's gonna the pendulum is gonna swing back, but not fully. Where there is value being created and conveniences being created, that's gonna continue to grow, a sort of these digital channels and digital payments. Yeah. Okay. Are there any other hot uh, hot trends in in payments that you think are coming? Yeah. You know, uh, there are a couple that I can I can think of. Um, you know, one kind of uh, continuing on to my previous comment, the first trend is I see uh, as digital payments grow because of just, just global growth and uh, digital channels and experiences, as, as digital payments grow, so does decline rates and fraud and chargebacks. So this is going to be a big focus for organizations is that, hey, and maybe in the past, I really didn't have to worry about decline rates. Or, or fraud, 
But now because so much of my business is coming from digital channels, it's a real concern. So definitely that's going to be number one. Number two is going number two is going to be an integrated payments infrastructure that links you know your customers experiences across all your, all of your channels. You know the the typical large enterprise merchant they've had you know they might have had retail stores and then they added an e-com channel and they might have added a gateway like a cyber source uh, in that e-com e channel. But there's no way to link customers who shop in your retail store with customers who shop online or shop through their mobile device or shop through an app. So having an integrated payments uh, infrastructure is going to allow you to link uh, all you know the customer shopping across all of your channels and give you a 360 degree view of your mm -hmm. customer regardless of the channel. And I think sort of the fundamental building block of that, one of them is, is like an Omni token, that uh, a card number, no matter what channels is used, is always the same token. And it's one way to identify a customer. Um, that's number two. Number three, I think of alternative payments. Uh, they're going to continue to grow. Um, you know, it's interesting, uh, Greg, like if you look at China, their, their two mobile wallets, um, uh, Alipay and WeChat Pay, they make up 87% of all the mobile payments in China. And, um, and, and, and those two wallets in last year, people spent $6.5 trillion just using those two mobile wallets. That's amazing. Now imagine the implications if something like that was to come to the US. Yeah, huge. Um, and then the last thing that I see is, is a, a tremendous growth in payment analytics. You know, how do you harmonize all of this payment data across multiple payment vendors and geographies to provide timely alerts and insights? Okay. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned one of the alternative payments, um, you know, as, as one of the trends, what do you, you kind of mentioned this earlier, but maybe you could dive a little deeper into it is, is about Bitcoin and sort of that whole cryptocurrency. What's your view on where that's going to play into this? You know, so it's Fascinating. Even like the little bit that I know, it's kind of insane. And there's so much more information that's to be learned. So I am in the I'm kind of in the process of immersing myself to learn as much as I can about cryptocurrencies and, and Bitcoin being one of them. But one of the things that I see is as businesses start to accept um, uh, uh, blockchain currencies um, like a bit like Bitcoin, is it kind of legitimizes them and it gives them, you know, more legs. Right. And as governments start to put, you know, rules around them, it legitimizes them and they're and they're here to stay. So I think they're definitely here to stay. Um, I heard um, Elon Musk from from Tesla say that they might take Bitcoin, you know, for customers who want to buy cars. I mean, that sounds like that sounds pretty cool if you could do that. And there are some merchants you have heard online that they're open to or exploring taking Bitcoin as a method of payment. Um, so, I mean, I think that's on the bleeding edge. I don't see mainstream merchants doing that as of yet, but it's one of those things that could evolve really quickly, um, especially if there are um, 
you know, government regulations or, 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 or sort of structure that comes into place that allows these sort of currencies to uh, have a clear lane to kind of go down on. Okay. Well, now this has been great information. I really appreciate your time and you being on the show today. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for the opportunity, Greg. Good talking to you. You too. And for more information about optimized payments and this, this actual series, please visit our show notes.